With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy old man, um, we are taking a little bit of a risk here. We're recording this podcast here on Tuesday evening, and at this point in time of the season, there are so many different twists and turns. I mean, it's the crazy season, they say. Um, where anybody and everybody could be traded. And at this point in time, around the NHL trade deadline, we're taking a little bit of a calculated risk that hopefully the Islanders don't make a move before we release this podcast here on Thursday. Otherwise, it could completely make our podcast out of date. Yeah, it's a risk I'm willing to take. (laughs) Oh, grumpy old man. Well, it seems to me that the market has kind of been established. I know the Islanders kind of kicked off the NHL trade deadline with the first trade of Andy, for Andy Green. And we've seen a lot of defensemen traded since that time period. And it seems to be that defensemen are being overvalued. And if you want a defenseman for your playoff run, you're going to have to pay a premium. And that seems to be congruent there with what the entire league is paying for defensemen at this moment. Yeah, uh, it seems like the going rate for second-tier defensemen, which is where I put Andy Green as well as, you know, Brendan Dillon, Marco Scandella, um, and the like, uh, seems to be a second-round pick. Uh, and Dylan DeMello as well. Yeah, uh, it seems to be second-round pick, and then, uh, you know, like a third or a fourth the, pre- the next year. The only thing I wish the Islanders hadn't given up this. Now, do we have a second-round pick this year? I think we do. We do. I would have maybe moved this year's second round pick as opposed to next year's. It's because the, the next year's pick is always more valuable than the current year, always. Uh, that's neither here nor there. We're kind of right in line with what everyone else is giving up for defensemen. And uh, if the initial uh, results of Andy Green coming here show us anything, uh, it proves like it might be a good deal for us. I mean, I thought he was very solid playing against Arizona. Um, You know, it doesn't solve what our real issues are, but it'll certainly help us on the back end. I thought Andy Green had a great game, and I don't throw that around too often. I thought he did a good job in our own zone. I thought he did a good job headmanning the puck. Again, he has good vision. Now, this is from a guy I don't watch, again, a lot of New Jersey Devil games, but I can tell you this much. I was not unimpressed with his play. Um, I mean, he sprung that two-on-no break that we had 
against the Coyotes pretty early. I mean, we didn't come away with a shot on that breakaway opportunity. But that being said, I mean, it was a good vision, a good setup by him. And then, you know, Orzal makes the pass to Eberle, the puck hops his stick, and we come away with no shot on a 2-0 situation. That's neither here nor there. But in the same token, I, I thought Andy Green played well. And uh, that's reassuring, at least to see that. Yeah, I, I thought he played well, too. I'm not going to say he played great. He does what Andy Green does. He's a solid defensive defenseman uh, who's able to get the puck out of his zone, uh, and he showed that. I mean, I, he wasn't, like I said, all right, he's not Bobby Orr. Um, he's not even Sheldon Kanegeezer. He's Andy Green, um, you know, and he did his job. I mean, no, no problems at all with the game he played the other night. That said – that our issue is we can't score. And we saw at least we did score against Arizona. We finally scored after almost three full games, uh, which was nice to see. And hopefully it's it bodes well for us going forward. Because I'll be honest with you, that's as good as we can play as we played against Arizona and we still lost. That we, yes. we can't we can't play any better than that. I thought everyone played, you know, as good as they can play. I mean, it just kinda is what it is. And we're recording this podcast here again, as I mentioned, on Tuesday evening. It gets released on Thursday. So the Islanders can come out against the Colorado Avalanche and put up six goals on them for all we know. But at this point in time, we don't have the Colorado Avalanche game to work with at the time we were recording this podcast. Um, that being said, Grumpy Old Man, you are right. We we continue to struggle to score goals. And that's the biggest issue for our team, especially if we want to make a you know a playoff run or a Stanley Cup run. Our ineptitude of offensive creativity and the ability just to put the puck on net is going to be our biggest issue. Again, goaltending, not the biggest issue. Defense, not the biggest issue. The ability to score goals continues to be the biggest issue. Um, and we're going to see how the Islanders are going to address that. It's unfortunate that... Tyler Toffoli was taken off the market via trade um, earlier on this this week. Um, I guess you can actually say it happened yesterday. So it happened on Monday, grumpy old man. But in, in late Monday night, he was traded there in exchange for um, – and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to butcher some of these names. Tim Schaller, um, Tim, Sh- Tim, Tim Schaller, Tyler Madden, and a 2020 second-round pick. And if Toffoli winds up re-signing with Vancouver, they get a 2022 fourth-round pick. So, I mean, here's, here's the thing. He's a guy. He's a proven goal scorer. He played on those cup teams for the Kings. Um, that's a, I think that's a good move for the Canucks. I mean, they had to do something. Looks like Brock Besser is going to be out for the rest of the year, a minimum of eight weeks, which could conceivably be the rest of the year. So they had to do something. And, you know, I thought that was a good pickup for them. Uh, I think so too, especially if you're looking if you're looking at the guys that were on technically listed as you might be traded at this trade deadline. Tyler Trafoli as a forward was one of the marquee guys. Um and I'm sure, you know, it is the wacky and crazy season, so there might be a few more guys that we'd never expected to be listed thrown into the thrown into the oh, he might be traded speculation here as we get closer to the actual trade deadline. That being said, um, Toffoli, you're right, is a guy who has played on Stanley Cup teams. He has had plenty of playoff experience. He's a guy who's been there. He knows what's going on, and consistently putting up around 40 points a season. He had a few seasons. He had one season where he had 50 plus points. But he's a guy who can also provide a little bit of scoring help. 
So Tyler Toffoli was a guy I, I would like to have seen the Islanders target. And if you look at the trade, I don't, I, I mean, Vancouver, I don't think really gave up all that much. And given, you know, he's, he's another guy who's a rental. But if yeah. you're talking about, if in case he does sign back Tyler Toffoli with the Canucks, I mean, the maximum you're giving up is a prospect. And I looked at the prospect who they traded. Um, he's putting up decent numbers in uh, in college at Northeastern University. I think he's got something like 37 points in 27 games. Those are good numbers. Um, there's no doubt about it. He was an ex-third round pick, I believe, two or three years ago. And, uh, you know, they, they sent, I think, now was Shaler a winger, grumpy old man? I believe he is. Yeah, and they sent a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. And if you're looking at you know guys that the Islanders have in their system, uh, you know I would be comparable to someone like a Ruslan Ishikov, um, a second-round pick, uh, consideration of a, a, a fourth-round pick in the 2020 draft, the same or 2022 draft, um, if he did sign back, and then a Josh Hosang, let's say, or some or somebody that somebody that could go ahead and tip the needle. It's not like they're giving up Noah Dobson's or Bodie right. Wilds. Or Oliver Wallstrom's. That's not what they were giving up. And if you're looking at, if you wanted to make a serious push, I thought Tyler Toffoli was the guy. Um, and given you know our opinion on this, we talked about it last podcast. We need top six help. A lot of people out there believe all we need is a third line center, and that's going to add more continuity to our team. We're going to be able to run three lines consistently. They're going to be able to provide scoring or bottom six. It's going to solve all the issues. We're going to be back to the 17-game point streak. I don't think that way, grumpy old man, and for a few reasons. I think we definitely needed a guy who could add a little bit of offensive pop. We have not been able to score score goals. I mean, if you look at our points or goals a game average after that 17, after the first 20 games when we were 16-3-1, it's not been good, grumpy old man. Um, I agree. Uh, I think Tyler Toffoli would have been a nice fit because he does uh, take his def- – playing for those old Kings teams, you had to be defensively responsible as a winger also. And that's something that he would have brought to us and helped us out. Uh, I just – like I said, it just kind of is what it is. Um, I just I just don't want to see us overpay for a, just some stopgap. I just don't like a Jean Gabriel Pajot. I mean, we we in the last thirty eight games, Grumpy Old Man. Again, and I feel like I'm gonna be flashing this up every single podcast and updating it as it consistently needs to be updated. Last thirty eight games, we're only scoring two point six six goals a game, which is not enough, frankly, if you want to be a serious playoff contender. Sure, goaltending helps, and I talked, you and I talked about this last year on our podcast, Grumpy Old Man. If you don't score a lot of goals, the only team to be, I won't say offensively inept, but to not be extremely gifted in goal scoring that have won a Stanley Cup in the last 10 years have been the Los Angeles Kings. Cool. That's the only team. They was- And the Los Angeles Kings have a you know probably a Hall of Fame goalie on that roster and Jonathan Quick, and they had great defense. Every single forward played the two-way game, and they were all aware on defense. So they all bought in that defensive system. And, I, and I'd argue that they probably had more offensive pop than the Islanders did too. Yeah, and they were coached by Daryl Sutter, um, an old Islander great, uh, one of the Sutter boys. And uh, they played a, a tough-as-nails game, but they had – okay, if you want to compare it to today's Islanders, they had Drew Doughty. We don't have a Drew Doughty on our team. Alec Martinez – 
uh, in the forward lines. Was Gabrick playing for them at that time? Gabrick was traded. He he was there for a little bit. I mean, you also had Anze Kopitar, Jeff huge. Jeff Carter was there. Um, uh, you're right, Anze Kopitar. I mean, they had they had talent too. It wasn't like they were just like us. They had talent in the offensive end, but they did play two ways. You also had Dustin Brown. There were a lot of pieces on that clutch. team. Yeah, clutch. clutch is right. You had a lot of pieces on that team that were extremely talented, had offensive ability to score. Every single player sold out and played defense. I mean, if you looked at that team style, they played the same exact collapsing style that the Islanders play and do and mostly play anytime you know we're in a situation where we're pinned back in our own zone. They play that collapsing style, collapse towards the net. Obviously, mark your man at the same tone at the same time. But with but, better talent. Yeah, and, and with a better goal, better goaltending too, and better better talent. I mean, just let's be honest; they had more talent than we have. You don't win a Stanley Cup. I mean, you have to have talent to win a Stanley Cup. They they had that buy in and that work ethic, as well as having the talent. I mean, that's that's what puts you over the top, and they they had that. They don't anymore because they kept the team together. They kept bringing the band back year after year, and now they're in the boat where they're in. Uh, but they did get two Stanley Cups out of it, so good for them. Well, if you're talking about the ebbs and flows that you want an organization to have, you want to have those time periods where you're selling out to win now, per se, because your team has that much talent. They're all peaking around the same exact age. They're all in their prime at the same time period. That's going to give you your highest opportunity to win. But again, you have to have the talent. It comes back to that main focal point where you have to have the talent. If you don't have the talent, you could have everybody peaking around the same time. You have everybody in their prime. It's going to be really tough to get the job done. Um, but I know we kind of got off on a little bit of a tangent, grumpy old man. Um, and, you know, as to be expected, we're at the NHL trade deadline. Yeah. Um, but that being said, that definitely hurt the Islanders' opportunities here for adding a little bit of offensive pop here come the NHL trade deadline. I know everybody's throwing around John Gabriel Pajot and oh, Chris Kreider also. Chris Kreider is supposedly the big name. Uh, on the market uh, right now, it seems like the two favorites for him would be uh, Boston and Colorado. Uh, Colorado just lost Miko Rantan for a while, and Boston's looking to upgrade uh, their second line. Uh, now, I would think he would cost. He's also a uh, a rental, but I would think that he would be worth a first-round pick. You'd have to give up at least a first-round pick to the Rangers to get him. And he's a good fit. He's a good fit for a lot of teams. Well, if you talk about a guy, I do think Chris Kreider does fit well in with this team. That being said, I'm not sure the Rangers are ever trading him to the Islanders. I mean, how often do the Islanders and the Rangers actually effectively make a trade, grumpy old man? Well, I mean, you know, that's neither here nor there, but I think we could see him move. That's that's my point. I think he could be moved. If they can't work out a contract extension, I think you will see him be moved. Well, have you been paying attention no, to the I've Rangers? I've been paying attention. Well, Grumpy Man, if you pay attention here to the Rangers' performance as of late, you've been noticing that they have really been coming up from the rear. Um, I thought they had no chance at all to make the the, the playoffs. but And again, they're, they're still a long shot at that margin. But in the same token, they've been playing really good hockey as of late. Yeah, uh, but they're not there yet. And they realize that they're not there yet. So regardless if they're making a little run, the chance of them doing anything, if they even can get into the playoffs, which I think is a stretch, I don't think – here's the thing. If I was them, they have a good young up-and-coming team. 
I would I wouldn't go and sell out. If I could get something good for Chris Kreider, I'm doing it. I mean, you can always sign him in the offseason if he wanted to come back as a free agent. I mean, he's been there forever. Um, you know, so I, that's the way I look at it. I to me, they're not good enough to to say no to a player like that if they get a good offer. No, I think you're right. And again, it's a real long shot for them. I mean, they're eight points out of, you know, the last wild card spot, and they do have a game in hand over the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, but they have been playing well in their last 10 games. They're 7-3-0, and and you know what I mean? If, if you want to pick a time to make a run, now is the time. Um, but that being said, I just didn't know if that was going to make any huge impact on them, you know, how sometimes teams make late runs. Uh, that being said, grumpy old man, it is, it's an important time for the Islanders to start winning games um, because I'm not sure how, how much longer we can go on a losing streak or play – uh, really good hockey and miss the net or miss, you know, a goal by a few centimeters because it rings off the post or the crossbar and just bounces out. Well, you know, all those games that we had in hand, well, we've kind of kind of played ourselves right back to the pack, same amount of games now. We didn't win any of those. So we're right. I mean, you look at how the division is set up and uh, where we are in division, where the wild card is. I mean, we're like two games either way, and we're out of the playoffs. So it's it's going to be a struggle. And I will say the one thing Islander fans can look forward to the rest of the way in the regular season, it's going to be like playoff hockey every night. And I think we've seen that the last couple of games. I mean, it's they've been playoff intensity out there. Everybody's fighting for a playoff spot. So you're seeing some really good games. Even though we lost, I mean, we played, like I said, we played as well as we could play against Arizona. I don't think, I don't think we could have played any better. I mean – you know, even Trotz even said that after the game. You know, if we play like that, we're going to get more wins and losses. You know, if we had more talent, we'd be able to score some goals, and those would be wins. Uh, but I thought we played excellent as a team against Arizona. Excellent. I thought we did too. Of course, the result just wasn't there. Um, that being said, I understand if you lose a one-off game where you hit a lot of posts or crossbars and you're a centimeter here or a centimeter there from the puck going in the net. That being said, when you're coming off of a streak where you're not able to score goals and you're getting shut out, you know, game in and game out, and you score one goal and you talk about, you know, the game being decided by a few centimeters here and there, I don't give you – I tend not to give you as much leeway. Uh, you know, call me crazy, but, you know, if you have better – if you have better players with more offensive ability who could, you know, pick a corner, you have the type of games like the Nashville Predators did against us a few days ago. I mean, you watch the Nashville Predators, they hit theirs off of posts and corners, but every single one was going in. And of course, that could be summed up to a few, a few different things, um, either offensive acumen and the skill that, you know, requires to go ahead and hit it off the post and in. Or, you know, everything, the perfect storms going on and you just happen to put everything in the net. That being said, I mean, they were rattling off a number of good shots against us picking corners uh, when they had that open opportunity. And again, for the Islanders to win games, we're going to really have to go ahead and focus a lot again on defense. And we're going to have to focus on uh, our forwards being defensively responsible and transition also. And we're going to have to start putting a puck in the net. It's going to be interesting to see who the Islanders target as, you know, their forward that they're going to bring in before this trade deadline expires. I, 
Uh, I'm kind of worried based off of the names I'm hearing out there. I'm not sure they're going to bring us enough offensive pop, Gumpiel, man. I know I said that earlier this podcast, but I kind of want to circle back to it. I'm not sure a Jean-Gabriel Pajot brings enough offensive pop. I'm not sure that shoring up the third line um, is going to go ahead and fix all of our offensive woes. Yep. Um, well, you know, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned about us playing defense and, uh, you know, going back to that Arizona game, I don't want to minimize what you just said because I agree with everything that you've said. Um, but, you know, it was a surprise that Kiefer Bellows started the game on the second line with Brock Nelson and uh, Anthony Bavillier. And he had a couple of turnovers in the first period and boom, down to the fourth line. It's like, you know, I just don't think he has any rope at all for the younger players. Um, and to me, it's just really, really frustrating because he's a kid where if he gets the puck, he's going to shoot it. He's going to shoot it and he's going to put it on goal. He's got a really quick release. That is exactly what we need playing on that second line or even on the first line, honestly. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him play with Barzal and Everly. Uh, and just just because, you know, the way Barzell plays, he moves. Uh, Bellows doesn't stand around out there. He moves to get in a scoring position, and I think he'd be a good fit with Barzal. But like I said, if you're under the age of 30 years old and you play for Barry Trotz, you make a mistake, you're getting busted. And that's what happened to him the other night. I won't say under 30, but you're right. I did think it was odd that – as soon as he made a few mistakes, they went ahead and completely abandoned that thought of running Kiefer Bellows, you know, on that second line. And it's just odd, you know. I think we're doing, I think we're doing a, a decent job. I think we're doing a good job defensively as of late. You know, we talked about it, and in the post game, Barry Trotz addressed it. You know, we played a good, we played a good game. We played Islander style hockey, um, you know, X, Y, and Z. But in the same token. Again, we're not seeing the offensive results. We're not seeing the offensive chances, and they're just disproportionate. The opposing team usually gets more chances than we have been getting as of late. So I figured, you know, Kiefer Bellows being a guy who's a shoot-first mentality, who throws the puck on net as often as possible, he was going to get a little bit of a larger leash, but that was not the case. You're right. Uh, to me, it's all about talent. The other teams have more talent offensively than we have. Those are just facts, you know, and anybody could say, well, Andrews Lee and this guy and that, that, you know what? They're just, we're, we're just not talented on the offensive, offensive side of the ice. We're just not. And until we make some moves in the off season to address that, like we were supposed to do last off season and even the season before, you're going to see the same results and the same style of hockey. That's all we can do. We're not talented enough to win shootouts. We're not talented enough when we go up against a good team, you know, especially come playoff team. If another plays the team plays good, solid defense, we're in trouble because I mean, we're just not really a threat to score. I mean, at all. And you know, you got other teams who have more talent and if they played hard defensive style, like you're going to see in the playoffs, that's going to spell doom for us. I'm afraid. I hope not. I hope I'm wrong, but that's just the way I look at it. Well, the one thing about the Islanders is the system they play where they're very defensively centric and focused. You're always going to have a chance to win games, no matter what. No matter who you're playing, you're always going to be in the game. Uh, you know, Of course, there are going to be your one-off situations, but for the most part, you're always going to be in the game. I thought it was interesting, grumpy old man, to speak a little bit off of the point you're making. Uh, Andrew Gross was also talking about Barry Trotz today at practice, 
and how he was focusing and placing a large emphasis on players need to start moving the puck a little more quickly and there needs to be more movement away from the puck to create more opportunities, quickly pass, and you know you need to quickly make decisions as well. When you're near the net, you need to also quickly throw the puck on net. You can't be dipsy-doodling with the puck. Um, you can't be dancing around with the puck too much. You need to distribute quicker. You need to shoot the puck more on that. And that's true. I don't. And again, you know, I think Andrew Gross made a, a point to go ahead and tweet this out. But I mean, this should be the talking point for Barry Trotz almost every single day. That's the places we need to improve on the most. Uh, hallelujah is, I guess, what I could say. But in the same token, you'd like to think that that is consistently being preached to the players because it is what we need to do more often. Well, whenever he says, I don't want to see guys dipsy-doodling with the puck, we know who he's talking about. The only guy with any offensive acumen on the whole team, he's talking about Matt Barzal. I'm going to say, when we scored, when the second line scored that goal, I I can't even remember the team now. It was uh, Bailey, Barzal, and uh, Bavillier. Quick, quick, quick passing, which I didn't think they were capable of. We don't normally play like that. Now, yesterday... I thought, particularly early in the game, we were moving the puck extremely well. But that's what happens. Even on our power play, if you, we're just so slow and methodical in the offensive zone that we it, they were real easy to defend. And unless Barzal is doing something individually, we really don't create many chances. I just I, I don't know where he's going with that. Once again, you know, here's the thing: the players we have, they have a certain skill set. Expecting them to be to be something that they're not is not a recipe for success. It's just not. I mean, until we move some of those guys out and bring in some some newer type players, I think we're just going to struggle on the offensive side. I I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. Well, and you know, there are always going to be people who try to cherry pick. Oh well, if you look at the first twenty games, we were averaging three point. I think it was one four goals a game over that time period. That being said, oh, was that Grumpy Old Man? You're going to say something? Yeah, that was you. You did that earlier in the year. You were saying how great we were offensively. I'm like, dude, we're not good offensively. I said, well, maybe we got a couple of goals now. I said, but you watch by the end of the year, we're going to struggle scoring goals. You were Mister Cherry Pick, if that's which I was going to just you're just a little Pollyanna boy. We all know that, but. Early in the year, you were preaching to me the stats like you love to do. Oh, look, but we're scoring 3.14 goals a game. And I'm like, I don't care what the stats say we are. We're not good enough offensively. And once again, the NHL expert, the grumpy old man, has been proven correct by the end of the season. Go ahead. Now continue on your little rant. Well, I, before you kind of cut me off, uh, well, you didn't really cut me off. You just signaled that you wanted to speak. Uh, but grumpy old man, and I didn't want to disparage what Andrew Gross said. He was watching practice today and tweeted this, and I'm quoting him based off his tweet. He said, um, "The uh, Barry Trot stops a two-on-one drill and emphatically makes a point that the attackers have to make quicker decisions and shoot quicker. Demonstrates if a player comes in, stick handles too much, allows the goalie to read the play, and shoots from the circle, he'll never score. That's true. If you know we're stick handling all over the place and we're shooting the puck from a long-range distance and we don't have the puck in those high-scoring opportunity chances, the likelihood of us scoring, obviously, is lower. So he is right in that, in that regard. I didn't want to go ahead and misrepresent what Andrew Gross said. Uh, based off of what he was able to read off of Barry Trotz. But that being said, 
I, I feel like, again, that has to be a point that Barry Trotz is trying to, to beat home every single practice because it's something that we need to consistently do. Yeah. I, I just don't think we have the talent on the team to do anything other than what we do. I just don't think we're a quick enough team offensively. I don't think we're fast enough offensively. We're not creative enough offensively. It's just going to be what it's going to be. I mean, I mean, you look at Nelson on the breakaway yesterday. Didn't you know he wasn't going to score on that? I mean, it was the same movie. Just he does the same thing every time. And, you know, I, like I said, that's just what we have offensively right now. Well, to speak on what the same thing every time is, you mean he goes forehand to backhand, back to forehand, which is a little deep, and he just always tries to put it five-hole. That's Brock Nelson's move. Whenever he's on a breakaway, whenever he's doing a penalty shot, that's usually his go-to move. But on breakaways, that's almost strictly what he does. He tries to go ahead and do a quick little forehand, backhand, back to the forehand deke, and shoot it five-hole. Sometimes it works against good veteran goalies, not all the time. Well, in this, I will say in this one, he just came straight down, didn't even go for his deke, just took like a, a might league player, just trying to sh- snap a shot, uh, you know, to stick side, and it was easily blocked away by the goaltender. So, I mean, I, I here's the thing. When I saw him breaking away, I said, no chance. I mean, I, <laughs> no, whatever. He just is what he is. Well, we have been off again on another little tangent. I wanted to get back to Jean-Gabriel Pajot and what's available in the in the, uh, in the the trade market, apparently. Again, this is supposed to be rumored, you know, the next best guy out there. And a lot of Islander fans want Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And for this, I say a few different things. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and he'll hit over 40 points this year. But, I mean, he's 27 years old. He's been in the league now for eight seasons. Well, if you count full seasons, it's like six and a half years. But he's only had one season with more than 40 points. And that was back in 2015-16. And again, last year he got injured. But this year, he's got 22 goals. Grumpy old man, do you want to take a guess what his shooting percentage is? I'm going to bet it's pretty good. Oh, no, or pretty bad. I don't know which one. Go, oh, just tell me. I don't, he's like, I don't he's know the shooting percentage. I don't know what it is. He's got 22 goals, and he's shooting 17.6%. Like Casey's so, last year. If you want to talk about a guy who's having a career season, we're looking at a guy in Jean-Gabriel Pajot. So, again, you kind of worry when you talk about guys who are playing extremely well towards the end of their contract and when they become an unrestricted free agent. And I know we've talked about this with prior players as well, but you wonder if you add any movement and you kind of change up their atmosphere, if that might throw them off a little bit. Because if you're looking at Jean-Gabriel Pajot and his performance throughout his career, he's not a guy who consistently puts up a lot of points and a lot of goals. I mean, if you look at it, this year he already has set a career high for himself in goals. Before this season, the most goals he's ever had in a year is 19. This year he's got 22. He's shooting 17.6%. Do I expect him to continue to shoot over 15% for the rest of the season when he gets traded and who he gets traded to? I don't know. Probably not. If he's on the third line, I don't foresee him shooting over 15%. That being said, I just kind of, I'm always hesitant towards these guys who are rentals, who are performing better than normal, and he's on a really, really bad team in the Ottawa Centers. And given, you know, he's got a positive plus minus, people like to go ahead and throw that in his favor as well because the Ottawa Centers are not good. Um, but, you know, he plays a good two-way game. He's got a you know positive plus minus, and he's having a, what is a career season for him. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're selling him his talent level short. I think he's a good player. Um, I know he suffered some injuries in previous years, uh, but he kind of really started turning around last year. I, I think he's a good player. Is he worth a first-round draft pick and prospects for a rental? No, I don't believe so. Um, but, you know, I, I think you're selling him short. I think he's good. I, I do. I like him. I like him quite a bit, actually. But I don't. He doesn't put us over the top. I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's just for me the crux of the matter. You have to get somebody who's going to put you over the top. Is he the guy? I don't believe so. Well, he does bring a lot to his game. And now, as much as I was selling him short a second ago, I was selling him short in the point production department, and because I believe that's accurate. Um, I don't think what we're going to see is him continue to put up, you know, close to. I mean, he's got 36 points right now in 57 games, and that's out of the ordinary for him. And I, I did want to go ahead and draw that comparison. That being said, he also does extremely well in the face-off dot. I mean, you're looking at a guy who who wins 52.7% of all of his face-offs. And for a team, you know, that kind of struggles a little bit in the dot in the New York Islanders, that is something we'd, we would be welcome to see is somebody be successful in the face-off dot. And a guy who also plays on the power play, and he also plays in shorthanded situation. So you're talking about a guy who is a Swiss Army knife. He can go ahead and contribute on the power play, which we have been struggling on mightily as of late again. And he also could help there on the penalty kill. Given we helped out, you know, our penalty kill remedies by adding uh, Andy Green to help out on the defensive side. But if you add a guy like Jean-Gabriel Pajot, you have to figure he'd also kind of play that penalty kill role that Casey Zizekas was playing and help kind of fill the missing shoes that he is, you know, with his lacerated uh, hip or thigh. I can't remember what it is, but, you know, he's still out for another three-plus weeks. Yeah, I see. I, I think he would minimize the loss of uh, Casey Zizekas. I think he's better. I think he's a very much like Casey Zizekas, but better. I think he's a better player than Casey Zizekas. But what happens when Casey comes back? Then what do you do? I mean, I just I, – I don't think center is our biggest need right now. I mean, you could always put Komarov as center on the fourth line. I think that Broussard was doing a pretty good job on the third line when you had, uh, you know, he and Del Cole and Kiefer Bellows there. I thought they were – you know, it's the top two lines that aren't scoring. Um I think, you know, the Barzal line hasn't scored since Matt got benched. They haven't scored uh, since then. I just think that he was read the riot act, and that's just that. Well, Grumpy Old Man, you're wrong about that because I can tell you they did score in that game against, I think it was the Flyers or the Capitals, but they did score in one of those two games when Matt Barzal had three assists. That being said, I did want to go ahead and mention um, when we're talking about if we do bring in a center, I think that allows Derek Broussard to move back to the wing position. And I thought he excelled um, when we had together Bavillier, Nelson, and Broussard. That was, again, the second line during that 17-game point streak was the impetus towards the the latter half of the 17-game point streak. They were scoring goals left and right. They were creating a lot of opportunities. They were very, very offensively creative. And maybe if we go ahead and add a piece like Jean-Gabriel Pajot, it allows us to reunite that second line. Again, who the odd man out might be, not sure. But that being said, I thought I think Derek Broussard does a good job at wing, and I wouldn't be opposed to him going back to wing because he doesn't have to be as defensively responsible, and he can focus more on offensive creativity, which, again, is something that our team desperately needs. Yeah, I'm just going to say that, like I said earlier in the year, 
they were hot, and Barry Trotz did something that the rest of the league couldn't do. That was stop that line by breaking them up. And he did that, and even when they put them back together for short spurts, they kind of did not rekindle that magic. Uh, if you're trading for Pajot, he's got to be on the second line. Uh, I mean, you're not trading for him to play on the third line, are you? I think he's better at this stage of his career than Derek Broussard is. I Like I said, I think he's a good player. I just do. I think I like him better than you do. Um, but like I said, the price and the fact he's a rental is the thing that would kind of scare me off a little bit. That's all. But but I but I yeah, like no, same exact worrying points I have. Um, but you talked we, now, grumpy old man. I don't want to go back to the point too much. But when you were talking about the Islanders uh, struggling to score, their top six not scoring. Now you could say maybe the top line there of Lee. Um, Lee Bailey and or Lee Everly and Barzal not scoring, but then again, I think it was most recently against the Flyers that Everly did score. But you know, in our top six, we're still getting production on Anthony Bavillier. He's been extremely hot as of late. He's been playing good hockey. Um, I don't think it's a huge issue again with our second line. I think the production out of the first line and Anders Lee not scoring and Jordan Everly not scoring. That's our biggest issues. Would you consider putting uh, Anthony Bavillier in the Lee spot and try to rekindle that magic that they had last year um, and even the year before with Barzal, Bavillier, and Eberle? Because I think his style is more conducive to playing with Barzal than, than Anders Lee's is, honestly. Um, I, and you're right. Bavillier is playing extremely well. Uh, I would like – I mean, you got to – here's the thing. You need production from your first line. And to me, the wingers just aren't getting the job done. So I would, I wouldn't have a problem at all throwing Bo up there on the first line. Not at all. I, I wouldn't either. And again, you know, people have said before in the past, and I think it's somewhat true, that Eberly and Anders Lee do not mesh well together. I, I do believe to a certain extent that is true. Um, that being said, when you're paying a guy seven million dollars a year, like you are Anders Lee. He needs to be malleable, and he needs to be able to fit with whoever you place him with. Um, and if we're talking about you know production and scoring, I mean, right now our top line again, as we mentioned, Anders Lee, Matt Barzal, Jordan Everly, and Anders Lee and Jordan Everly consume twelve point five million of our cap, and have only combined for twenty seven goals this season. I mean, that is drastically off what we had come to expect from a guy like Anders Lee and even Jordan Everly. I mean, if you talk about if even a few years ago, you, you tick back the clock two years ago. I mean, 27 goals for Anders Lee at this point of season by himself would be something that wouldn't be so far-fetched to think. I mean, let alone you got 27 goals. And again, Jordan Everly missed, I think, 10 or some odd games. But they just haven't been scoring goals. And Matt Barzal, I think, would work well again with Bavillier, Everly, and himself. I mean, we talked about it before. A few years ago, that line worked extremely well. And I don't think it's terrible to think that Brock Nelson, uh, Josh Bailey, and Anders Lee wouldn't work well also. I mean, that's the old lines, line combination we used to have. I don't know. Something just needs to be done and mixed up and jumbled up to a certain extent because we're not scoring goals. And if you're going to get creative with line changes and forward pairings, now is the time period. So you can hopefully go ahead and get something gelling. By the time the NHL playoffs come around, they've established, you know, they've got that continuity back amongst the entire line and they're able to go ahead and get hot at the right time. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I just want to go back to your first point where people are saying that Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle aren't a good match together. I'm going to tell you what, Anders Lee isn't a good match with Matt Barzala either. Uh, Anders Lee was a good match. He was a product of John Tavares. He, they played similar styles, um, you know, where we just control the puck in the zone, not a whole lot of movement. He stands in front of the net, uh, you know, and John Tavares, John would make the passes to him or, you know, whatever. I, I thought he was just, you know, just like Ocposo, Matt Molson, they were all products of John Tavares. And I feel Anders Lee is that as well. Uh, he doesn't fit with the style of game, the skating game that Matt Barzal plays. And to me, that's your biggest issue. Then you mentioned perhaps putting him with uh, with Bailey and Nelson. You know, I'm not opposed to that. But then you have the issue of no creativity at all on that line. And that's the issue that we've had forever. I mean, that's what you get with Brock Nelson. He's not a creator. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I would throw Bavillier on the first line because to me that's the line that has to score. Um, you can get away with the other lines not scoring, but if Barzal's not scoring, his line isn't scoring, this team's in trouble. Um, you know, I, there's, there's one player I want to speak up for who I've been critical of of the past, but I think he's really stepped up. Michael Del Cole has started to play a little bit better uh, the last couple of weeks. I think his uh, get-up-and-go level has been higher. I mean, he's, he's never going to be anything more than a third-line winger, but – I think he's shown a lot of effort the last couple of games, and I would be remiss if I didn't uh, compliment him. So I just wanted to bring it up. While while my brain was flashing back to the, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I just wanted to make sure I brought that up because I have been critical of him in the past. Well, I mentioned that I think a week or so ago, Grumpy Old Man, and I thought he was picking up his play. I'm glad you finally come around to my side of, <laughs> of that point. It's finally starting to click with me. That's what it is. You want to know who's not playing well? Josh Bailey. With the exception of the three assist game that he had, oh, that was, where him and Nelson both had three assists in that one game, that was a cheap pop, grumpy old man. But I'll let you have your little cheap Thank pop. You. Uh, yeah. That being said, um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Islanders do. I don't think, I don't think us continuing to roll out the same exact line combinations and hoping that something's going to change is going to go ahead and do the job at this point in time. And, you know, and you talk about this in all sports, when you have a difficulty scoring, um, football, basketball, whatever it is, when you are not scoring, you're not producing, you start to grip your stick a little tighter. You start to go ahead and get a little anxious in football. You start to go ahead and, you know, your hands get sweaty there in basketball when you're shooting up and you have those chances and opportunities. You just hope it doesn't go ahead and snowball and continue to negatively affect that first line because we honestly do need big production out of our wings there in Anders Lee and Jordan Everly. We do. If we want to be successful make a good playoff run, we need those guys to get hot. I think, Grumpy Old Man, you're talking about it and talking how Andrews Lee was kind of a product of John Tavares. There's something interesting I've also noticed here as of late. And correct me if maybe you think I'm wrong. You're wrong. But, oh, that was a little preemptive. But, okay, I'll go ahead and now get to the point. Um, but Andrews Lee used to score a lot of deflection goals where they'd throw the puck towards the net and Andrews Lee was able to deflect the puck in the net. We used to see a lot of that with John Tavares. And even after John left, that year after, we saw a lot of that too. 
how many goals have you seen where he's been deflecting the puck when it's thrown towards the net and it goes into that? I, I don't think we've seen all that many this year. And that's also why I think his goal production's down. His positioning is not as good this year as it has been in the past. And that was something that Tavares was really, really good at. And that's not Matt Barzell's strength. I mean, he's not a shooter. He's a passer. I mean, it's just, you know, they, they don't mix. They just don't. And, you know, to me, just continuing to roll him out there, expecting him to be a first-line winger. He's First to me, for me, he's never been a first-line winger, ever. He was a product of Tavares. He's a second-line winger. Uh, he's not a first-line winger. And to expect him to be so is just a mistake. And like I said, that line is a skating line. What What's the weakness in Anders Lee's game? His skating. I mean, it's just not a fit. It's just not a fit. I always said that he was a poor, I mean, a very poor man's Dave Anderchuk. I mean, very poor man's Dave Anderchuk. You know, Anderchuk had to play with certain players. He was great on the power play, plop, popping him right there in front of the net. But he had, when he was playing a regular shift, you couldn't play him with speed guys. He always had to play with guys who were a little bit slower, you know, where they generate chances in the offensive zone as opposed to, you know, a speed game. And that's the same thing you're seeing with uh, Anders Lee. I just, like I said, it's just frustrating to see it out there. I know he wants to do better. Uh, I think it's not like he's not trying. I never say that about Anders Lee. I just, I just, I just don't think that he's a good fit with the Barzal line. Yeah, and the thing is, Anders Lee, captain, great guy. You love to root for him. A guy you never want to see do poorly. Um, you're right. I think one of the skills that John Tavares did have was his ability to throw the puck towards the net in a situation that Andrews Lee was able to go ahead and alter the result to be to, to result into a goal. Yeah. That's something that, that John Tavares did extremely well. And you spoke about it. Matt Barzal, I don't know if he'll never have that skill, but right now he doesn't have that skill. Matt Barzal is a passer. He's a, he's a passer, number one. And he's shooting the puck more this year, but as the year goes on, you see he's kind of going back into the passing thing, which is what he did, uh, you know, in previous seasons. Um, but you're right. That was a really underrated part of Tavares' game was getting those shots on net in tight situations where Anders Lee could go to work down there. And that's just not what – that's just not what Matt Barzell's skill set is. It just isn't. Um you know, so, you know, what you do, you don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole. You move him somewhere else and you bring somebody else who fits your top offensive player's uh, skill set better, which is Anthony Bavillier. And we've seen success from that line in the past. So let's try to recreate that. I mean, you, you can't do any worse than zero goals. So, you know, shake it up a little bit that way. Oh, I, yeah, so I, get I do have a quick question for you. How many games do we have left in the season now? Do you know offhand? Is it like 20? Um, if we've played 20 games and we had 38 games since, ooh, so math. Yeah, something like that. 24 sounds good. Okay. What's the over and under on games that Noah Dobson plays the rest of the year? Noah Dobson plays two games the rest of the year. I that, might be, that might be a good – that might be, you know, I, I'm going to say two games is the over-under. I was going to say five. I was going to say maybe five. If there's maybe one every five games, they'll play. So, I mean, you know, for me, once again, it seems like we're messing up his development, you know, whatever. Should have let him play in juniors if you weren't planning on playing him in the NHL this year. I, and I'm going to well, guarantee you next year he'll be in the A, guaranteed. 
Yeah, and we talked about it, and that's going to be something we talk about, I'm sure, all offseason long. We could speculate and talk about how that's going to come to fruition. And when it does, of course, we'll be like, oh, I told you so. Um, but that being, and we don't want that to happen, of course, because, you know, again, if, you know, you're talking about the, the maturation of a player, given he does need consistent minutes, playing time, you know, it's a whole different story for itself. Uh, that being said, you talk about a guy in Thomas Hickey who might be back in a week or so. Um, who's to say if an injury does happen, he's not the guy they roll into the lineup. Again, a veteran that they have had experience with, that they trust. Um, and we talked about this earlier, and you mentioned earlier, Grumpy Old Man, that you thought that was going to be the case. Of course, at the time period when you were foreseeing this future, uh, Thomas Hickey wasn't even healthy, wasn't skating at the time period. But uh, you seem to be Karnak, the fortune teller at this point in time. Uh, believe me, I've watched enough of Barry Trotz to know how he thinks. Uh, there should be one thing that keeps Thomas Hickey out of the lineup uh, in the big league level is the fact that he absolutely sucks. I mean, that should be number one why he should never, and I mean freaking ever, play for the New York Islanders. I, My God, if you're going to bring that little panty waist back and pop him in the lineup, how bad is your team when a piece of garbage like that can somehow manage to slither into the lineup? Disgusting. Oh. Oh, grumpy. You know, he's not even 100% healthy back, but just the idea that Thomas Hickey might be able to find his way in the lineup in case somebody does get injured has already made grumpy old man very upset. I hate him. Um, I hate his style of play. He's soft. He's weak. He's pathetic. You know, remember the one time that he knocked down Zdeno Chara? I know you remember that, TJ. Can't help but bring it up. Well, you know what I remember? I remember him being knocked on his keister by everybody else in the league. And that's what you see with Thomas Hickey, always on his butt behind the net. Disgusting. Well, Grumpy Old Man, I I do want to ask you now, we talked about how this podcast is being recorded on Tuesday evening, but not going to be released here until Thursday. Um, And, you know, we're playing the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow at 9 o'clock, which is the reason why we elected not the podcast after the Colorado Avalanche game. I'm sorry, they're playing at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. That's correct. Um, Again, I'm at a different time zone, so for me it's 9. But, yeah, there's no way we would have been able to podcast after that game. At least effectively put together a good podcast and get that sent over to the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, Grumpy Old Man, did you predict a win or a loss against the Colorado Avalanche? I got to uh, ask you. I forgot. I think I predicted a loss, and I feel even more confident in that prediction now. I do predict that we will score some goals against Colorado, but they're uh, – you know what? I, I think they'll beat us, but they're a little bit banged up right now too. So, like I said, they just le- lost Miko Rantanen for a while. Uh, so that's going to affect – that's going to affect them on the offensive side of the ball, uh, offensive side of the ice. Sorry, um, but they still have Nathan McKinnon, who to me is top three player in the league. I think he's fantastic. I can't remember what I predicted, Grumpy Old Man, but if I can recant that, you I am predicting. You predicted two losses in the next two games. Zero points is what you predicted, and I said two. Oh, wow. Uh, I actually want to recant that because, again, it's not going to really matter because, of course, it's going to be released Thursday. The result of the Colorado Avalanche game is already going to be done by that time period. But I think we're going to beat the Colorado Avalanche. And then we play the Red Wings on Friday and then the San Jose Sharks on Sunday. I think we're going to beat all three of those teams. You want to talk about a crazy thought process, Grumpy Old Man? The Red Wings are a team that's really struggling. Uh, Again, a very, very bad team in the NHL. If you lose against the Red Wings, my gosh, wow. 
I mean, if you lose against the Avalanche and the Red Wings, you talk about some some Islander fans are going to be on suicide watch. I mean, that would be a five-game losing streak, and the Red Wings are the worst team in the NHL. So we got to watch out for some fans on suicide watch if we lose the next two games. I could see us. I can see us losing to Colorado, but I'll, I I don't see us losing to the Red Wings, and I don't see us losing to San Jose either. I think San Jose is kind of in the tank right now. Uh, they're thinking about moving Joel Thornton, if you could believe that. Um, so I, I think that we'll beat those two teams, but I do. I just don't think we're going to beat Colorado. But you know what? If we played like we did uh, against Arizona, we have a shot because they're not the greatest defensive team, and maybe we'll be able to pop a couple in, and uh, you know, maybe we'll be able to play fantastic defense and get some stellar goaltending. And the Colorado Avalanche are actually on a three-game losing streak at the time we were recording this podcast. So again, you know, a team that's also struggling a little bit as of late. And I think you are right. The San Jose Sharks are kind of mailing it in. When you start trading a whole bunch of players off your cast and crew, it's easy for some players to kind of, again, they're never going to stop trying. Don't get me wrong. These are professional athletes. They're always going to put as much as they can game in and game out, you know, on the ice because number one, their jobs are at stake. Uh, you know, most importantly, their jobs are at stake and they want their livelihood to last as long as possible. Um, that being said, it's easy to kind of get that the general malaise and let, you know, the the consistency of, oh, we have this X, you know, we wake up, we do this every morning, then we have to go to this skate, then we have to do this film study. It's easy for that to start to take its toll on players when you're doing poorly and you're in that sell everything mode because, you know, you didn't perform the way you're supposed to this season. That is really easy to let sink in. Uh, That being said, I, I think, you know, the Islanders have a real good possibility here of winning three games in a row. Um, that being said, I'll, I'll restate it again, Grumpy Old Man. If we lose to the Avalanche and the Detroit Red Wings, and the Red Wings, I looked it up, Grumpy Old Man, are the worst team in the league by a country mile. They only have 34 points this year. They're horrible. They're horrible. The second worst team in the NHL, I believe, has 47. If that yeah. tells you how bad the Red Wings are. Yeah, Detroit is – they're like they used to be in the late 70s, early 80s. They're terrible. <laughs> they, they are the worst team in the league. It's sad. So, it's sad, honestly. It's sad seeing how far they've fallen. But, you know, hey, they had a great run for a while, and now you got to rebuild. Yep. And that's ideally what you want. Again, you have those ebbs and the flows. I would easily take a terrible three or four seasons for, you know, a multitude of Stanley Cups. I would exchange yeah. that any day of the week. Same here. You ride, you ride that train until it goes off the rails. If you can compete and win at Stanley Cup, you just do it. And that's in any sport, honestly. I'm not a guy who believes in trading away good players a year too early. If you're a contending or a winning team, uh, you just you ride those guys until the wheels fall off. Mm-hmm. Well, Grumpy Man, I want to thank you for being a part of the podcast as always. My pleasure. And is there anything else? I know I just thank you for being a part of the podcast, but I feel rude without asking you. Is there anything else you want to add in here before we kind of conclude things, Grumpy Old Man? You are rude, but that's okay. I will let you slide. Obviously, it's probably a Betty by time for you. Um, so I'll make sure that uh, I don't drag this on any further. Why, thank you, Grumpy Old Man. I want to thank you, though, for being a part of the podcast. It's going to be interesting here. Uh, our next podcast is going to be – I'm looking forward to it already. And I know we're only a Tuesday, but I'm looking forward to our next podcast because we have those three important games – 
uh, I think three very winnable games for the Islanders. And you've got the NHL trade deadline right around the corner. You're going to have more developments. I'm waiting for a big name to be dropped. Uh, the Islanders, number one, to make their move. But I'm interested just to watch in general what happens in the league and who, what big pieces could possibly get moved as we get closer to the trade deadline. So it's a very interesting time. I'm excited, Grumpy Old Man. You know, despite the Islanders losing the last three games in a row and only putting up one goal on the board over that time period, I still think there's things to be optimistic about. Um, there obviously has to be some changes. We talked about it and addressed it on the podcast. The cast and crew, the lineup maybe needs to get jumbled up a tiny bit. It's going to be interesting to see who they bring on to go ahead and make a push for the playoffs and maybe a Stanley Cup. But I want to thank you, Grumpy Old Man, and thank you so much to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, they allow the podcast to be on multiple different platforms, whether you listen to it on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or Apple. They have the podcast on all those different platforms. So very thankful for them. And thank you again, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure.